Hi everyone, Rusty G. Today we're fortunate to have with us uh, two ladies that work at a treatment center here in Tulsa. It's called The Haven and they do some great work. I've known both of these ladies for several years and I wanted them to come in today and just tell us a little bit about their experience, their own recovery, and how that has worked out for them working at The Haven. So I think I'm just gonna turn it over to Marcy right now and then we'll talk with Laura too. My name is Marcy and Marcy M. And uh, yes, I work at The Haven and I wanted to talk a little bit about it because uh, it was founded back in 1968 by a woman alcoholic that could not get sober. She was a Texaco heiress and she, you know, had all, all the resources at her that were there to do it, but she just couldn't stay sober. And one of her deals was, was having to go to meetings by herself. And a friend of hers came back to Tulsa sober. And she came over and she goes, what happened? And she goes, I found this place in California that's just phenomenal. And I was able to get sober. I stayed there a certain amount of time. I don't know what it was. And Catherine, she got mad. She goes, why do we have to go all the way to California for something like that? So she found, she decided that she was gonna fund it. And she found the house where the Haven's at and bought it and started having friends of hers donate stuff, you know, the setting. And she brought uh, Addie out of retirement that started the other house in California. She brought her out of retirement and brought her up here to help open up the house. And it opened up in 1968, which was the same year that uh, Catherine died of an overdose. And they found her. But the, Treatment, sent, treatment place has gone on ever since. And uh, on the same foundation that she left, and, and it was basically she wanted women to be able to come together, go to meetings together, you know, have that support that they didn't. Because back then, you know, most of it was men in the meetings, a large majority, so she wanted that. And so thank God, you know, because it's, it's carried on. At that time, they charged $200 for the six weeks. Through all those years, they've rated it at $100. So wow. it's 300 for the six weeks, and they only put that in there for women to pay back it when they can and if they can mm -hmm. to show their gratitude. Sometimes we'll get money. We used to get money from 10 years ago, and they'd be doing their amends and stuff like that or, you know, cleaning up their past, and they'll, they'll pay, the, pay the 300 But it's not required to come in at all. We just want you to have a safe place to be in, and that's, that's what I needed at the time. I'd been to a couple other treatment centers and, and I was reaching for the last house on the block. I didn't have that much options anymore. And like I said, I, you know, I, I believe I was forced into a beautiful life. You know, I didn't go skipping up that driveway. <laughs> but once I got in there, and if, you, if you've ever been in there, you feel the presence. It's just a, a, an inner being that, you know, you just feel it. Because actually, we had a new board and they were wanting to buy a new house instead of trying to fix keep this one fixed up because it's an old mansion it's just beautiful it sits off a of riverside and we had them come over and they went through the house and they go okay we understand we understand what you're saying about the presence in here and it, and it is phenomenal I came in there in 2002 and then I came through there twice and the second time it, it was down to business like I said it was the last house on the block and when I finished there I went over to, uh, there was no sober living houses at the time. We had Oxford for men, but we didn't have anything for women. And so what I did was I went over, we had a AA clubhouse 
that was just across the street. And I went over there and was able to live in, the, in, in there and take care of the place, make sure the coffee was made every night, the floors mopped and all that. And I got to have a meeting every night. It was, it was awesome. And then we had our first women's uh, house called House of Grace. And then the gentleman that opened up that got a whole cul-de-sac full of houses for women because it was going over so well because there was no place. And I got to be a part of that, uh, for helping him with that. And it was called Love, Love for Life. It's no longer there, but it, it, it served its purpose. There's so many strong women in Tulsa coming from that place years ago. And in fact, I would send women over there. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a debacle. And I was, it was over vacation, and I had relapsed. And I thought, you know, I was sitting there, and I, was, I knew I needed to do something different, that treatment was, working in treatment was not going to keep me sober, that I needed my own program and all this. And I thought, man, I've been sending these women to Love for Life, and they're doing great. Why don't I go there? So I went to Love for Life, and I was there for two months, and then I, Jewel called and asked me to uh, come back to the Haven. She goes, Marcy, I just I had, a, I had a awakening last night in the middle of the night, and I just know this is where you need to be. And uh, I said, let me think about it, because I gave a year, and uh, talked to my sponsor at that time, and prayed about it, and I knew that that's where I belonged. Because Haven's been in my heart ever since I walked through those doors. So I started working there, I've been working there 21 years in November, which is unbelievable. I've never had a job for 21 years <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and working with women, mm-hmm. you know, that really surprised me. And in 2015, I became the director and have uh, kept that position ever since, you know, and it, and it just it floors me because that was the same year that I was asked to chair the state conference here in Tulsa. And because I didn't have a very high expectation of me, I didn't, my schooling was not much at all. So I never had this, uh, what do you call it, confidence that I could do what I've been able to do. And it's, it's only through God because I always wonder how this little alcoholic that wanted to die out on the highway, I was trying to just, I just, Begged God for me just to go. My, my last enabler quit my, my car. And I'd asked God just to please, you know, take me. I couldn't do this thing anymore. And uh, I was found out on the highway. The cops helped me. And I found out I was a missing person. And I just sit there, especially when I was at that state conference, because I remember when nobody knew me. And I loved how everybody else was running around conferences and knowing everybody. And I just wanted to be known. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I was on the elevator the first conference, and all of a sudden, this guy goes, hey, Marcy, how's Leon doing down at the old Rebos? I said, wow, I went up about two inches. I said, he's doing great. You know, I knocked off the elevator, and I was doing something, and I looked down, and I thought, oh, I had a name tag. It said, Marcy Rebos, and I was like, oh, okay. But it made me feel uh, mm-hmm. important that somebody knew my name. And then years later, that was 2002 and 2016, I was, I was chairing that state conference. And that was a big moment in my life because I just, how did a little girl that just wanted to die get from there to here? And there's only one way. There's only one way. You know, the power greater than ourselves. So, where was I? Oh, I wanted to go ahead and uh, read a portion out of the the big book that we mentioned. I had some good old great guys that were down at the Rebos Club. I dearly loved them. One of them was Leon, and then one of them was Joey D. And also, there was... uh, a lady that worked at the Haven, I'm trying to think of her name, but her and Joey were, were good friends, and they found this passage in the third edition, and mm-hmm. it's uh, a teenager's decision. 
and it's at the very end. And when I read that, he when he showed it to me, I knew that's that I was where I belonged. So my whole life, I'm gonna read this real quick. It's on page 355 of the third edition, which is what I got to use for many years. But it says that I'd managed to drink my way through all of my friends. I had no one in the world to talk to. With increasing guilt and never-ending depression, I was too weak to continue this day-by-day -day suicide. Thank God I knew of AA, so I mm. called. I had no idea what would happen. I just knew I didn't want to live if life was going to go on like it was. Well, today I am counting my blessings instead of my troubles. When I walked into the friendly atmosphere of my first AA meeting, I knew I was where I belonged. Here were people who had thought and felt as I had. Here was the understanding I'd been searching for all my life. These people were my friends, and I felt their sincere interest in me. With these new and enlightening doors opening up to me, I was able to make the eventual decision to stop drinking a day at a time, because I too was an alcoholic. And with this came the only real freedom, the freedom of truth. My sponsor used to say to me, if I could only paint you a picture of how beautiful life can be without booze. I wanted so badly to see the picture as it was in her mind. Well, now I am living it and trying to paint it for others. AA has become a way of life and living for me. It has brought about a revelation of self, the discovery of an inner being and awareness of God. I wouldn't give it up or trade it for anything. And the only one that can take it away from me is me by taking that first drink. You know, and that just sums up my life. It absolutely does. Because I walked in here hopeless. Like I say, you know, I told you that driveway is a long driveway at the Haven to come up and, and that cross that threshold. But let me tell you what, we have to push them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't want to leave, and a lot of women don't. Because it, it, it was, it's just, I love that they get to see us live. Uh, I just lost my nephew, and I had a van full of girls when I found out that he had passed away. And, you know, they got to see me walk through that. That whole group did, and, and, and they get to see other things. Her, you know, Karen will tell you about that too, and they, they see that. We live there. So, you know, they get to see living sober that you can do it. You can absolutely do it, yeah. but you got to do the work. So, got to do the work. Got to do the work. Absolutely. That I found out. Nobody could do it for me. You can really can tell the people that's done the work mm -hmm. that continue to do their work because it's never ending. No, it's never ending. Well, Laura, what about you? Well, hi, I'm Karen. Karen, um, I said, I'm sorry. Uh, you can call me whatever. No, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll no, answer no, anything. No, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> Hi, my name is Karen V, um, and I also work at the Haven. I'm a house supervisor. I have been there since uh, January of 2015 as a house supervisor. Um, I came through as a client in 2013. Um, you know, I, a lot like what Marcy said, you know, I didn't come in there hopping and skipping. I didn't even, I didn't even go to the Haven to get sober. I went to stay out of the penitentiary for the third time. I didn't want to go back. Um, and, I, and I was in drug court at the time, and they, and they were tired of me for good reason. You know, I'd, I'd been pled in for over a year, and I, I hadn't done any changing. I was still just trying to manipulate the system, trying to get, you know. And so whenever I was on my last straw there, they said, you know, you can either go to treatment or back to the prison. Karen, I really don't care which one you do, but you're, we're done with you. And they gave me a list of numbers to call. And, um, you know, and so I called the Haven. But I'm going to back up and tell you a little bit about me. I am um, from, I'm from a little town called Sapapa here. I'm born and raised from a single mother who struggled with addiction. 
you know, um, she did the best she could, and I love my mother, and, um, but, you know, I grew up in a lot of chaos, that's why I love the name of this podcast, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't taught right from wrong, really, you know, I just grew up knowing I hated drugs and alcohol, because I seen it every day of my life, but one day when I'm 15 years old, I'm sitting around a room, and, and I'm doing everything that I hated growing up, um, and this continues on, you know, I have three, three children during this disease of addiction, and I could get sober for a little bit when I was pregnant for the first two, but the third one I couldn't for a long time. Then I finally did. But, you know, I'm raising these children now in the same chaos that I grew up in, hating it. Um, and so that, that journey continued for 25 years. I was rinsing and repeating a lot of my behaviors. I would get loaded, go to jail, get, you know, get clean in my right mind, promise my children that at this time when I get out, it's going to be different. I mean it. I'm going to be the best mom I can be. I tell my mom I'm going to be the best daughter I can be. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get the house. All those things that I thought was going to fix me, you know, and then I'd get back out and I would, it'd be Tuesday and, you know, I'd go get a gallon of milk and I wouldn't be home for another week or two. And this was just a 25 year cycle of this. So whenever I did walk into the Haven, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't walk in there to get sober, but um, I was just going to take a six week nap and get back out to doing what I was doing. But when I pulled up and I'll never forget it, uh, Dorothy was there and uh, she was sitting on the porch and I got out of my car and she said, welcome home. Uh, and she gave me this big old hug. And if you ever knew Dorothy, you know you were blessed because she was this little mighty woman. She was an angel for me, you know. So um, I, they're, they're gonna, they're, I'm starting my journey at the Haven. Um, I get there, and, you know, we get going. And I remember I'd get there at 5, and by 6.30, we're leaving for a meeting. You know, so I get in the van, and I get to a meeting, and it was my very first AA meeting. And I just remember going, you know, these people, I'm never going to fit in here. This, you know, I don't have nothing in common with these people. And so I had this big wall up. So I'm at the Haven, and, you know, and I'm, I'm about three days into it, and I'm getting really sick. And, you know, I mean, everything's coming out of my system, you know, because I'm not just an alcoholic. I have a lot of other issues in my life. And it was the third day, and I remember sitting on this balcony, and, and Marcy was walking by, and I just remember saying, Marcy, I just can't do this. I can't, you know, because my disease is telling me, Karen, I can get you better in 15 minutes if we just leave right now. I could, I could make this all go away, how you're feeling. And Marcy was walking by, and she said, you know, Karen, it's going to get this much better every day if you'll just stick with me. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, okay. You know, and for some reason, I listened to her, and I believed her. You know, and so I did. I started, it started getting a little bit better every day. And, um, you know, and I watched the house mothers, the house supervisors when I was there. I don't remember a lot of what they said to me, but I can, I can remember I can remember them and what they were doing, you know. And I remember one day, about three weeks into it, I woke up and I said, you know what, I want what they have more than I want to get loaded. And I'd never felt that way before in my life. I'd always wanted to get loaded more than anything. So, you know, I started, you know, I, I started talking to them. And they said, you know, you can have what we have if you do what we do. And I said, okay, okay, you know. I left there and, you know, Dorothy had asked me if I would want to be a fill-in there. And, and that was a God moment for me. You know, I, don't, I didn't know it at the time, but it was. And I said, absolutely. And so uh, when I got out, I filled out some paperwork to be a fill-in. But let me back up one more time. While I was at the Haven, we had a friend of our, uh, friend, Marcy's friend. She became my friend. Her name was Becky P. And she'd come over for lunch, you know, because we have a big lunch at the Haven. That's our, that's our, that's our bonding time. We, you know, we always have this big lunch. And so Becky would come over, and, and, you know, after lunch, we'd go outside, and we'd smoke cigarettes and talk. And I remember her putting her hand out to me and saying, you know, Karen, here's my number. If you need anything when you get out, call me. I was like, okay, you know, and I just put it in my pocket and went on, and I put it in my phone, and so when I get out of the Haven, you know, I, 
I would like to tell you that was my sobriety date. I would like to tell you that 7-13-13 is the day that I stopped, and it, it's been that roses ever since, but that's not the case for me. And I get out, and I listen to partly what you guys said, people, places, and things, and I changed those, but I didn't change anything else. You know, I'm working. That's my program is just to stay real busy. So about when I'm in drug court, it's not about, and I'm graduating in December, so in about November, I'm starting to get really restless, irritable, and discontent because I don't have the spiritual experience to, to help me, and I don't have my solution of drugs and alcohol either. So I'm just stuck in this purgatory place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember reaching out and calling Becky. I'm going to say I called her. I probably texted her knowing me. And, um, you know, she says, you know, Karen, we, you know, your ears have been burning. We've been talking about you. And uh, I was just trying to find another job because the job I had, it was killing me. And uh, anyway, so she just told me, you know, the Haven needs, a, needs somebody. And so I called the Haven, and that's how I got in to working at the Haven. You know, and it was all these moments that came together, you know, to how it worked out for me to be at the Haven. And I've been there since January 2015. You know, and it's, and it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, I, I love what I do with these women. Um, you know, I believe in what we do at the Haven. But uh, so in 2015, I come to work there, um, and I'm going along. And I don't know, for a girl like me who's working in treatment, in my mind, I'm thinking that's all I need to do is work in treatment. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. You know, I'm going to four or five meetings a week, you know, I don't need a sponsor because I'm working, I'm working in treatment. I don't need that. I really don't need to do all the steps. I'll do a few of them because I work in treatment. I don't need to do all of them. So three years into it, I'm real miserable. Imagine that, huh? So, uh, and so then I drink, you know, I start drinking and uh, I remember having to make that decision. We're on vacation. We get a, we get a six week vacation. You know, and I remember having to call Marcy. We're getting close to coming back in. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to quit my job or I'm going to have to be honest. And so I did, you know. And I'm going to tell you, that was a day I really, really surrendered. So I got to start, you know, really working this program and working in treatment, which has been a really beautiful thing for me. You know, um, this book has given me a design for living that I didn't know ever existed. I didn't grow up with a lot of right and wrong. I grew up with a lot of gray. If you don't get caught, it's okay. That was kind of how I grew up. Today, I can walk with some integrity. You know, I have seven beautiful grandchildren that's never seen me loaded, and that's only because of this program and this book right here. I bought a house, a girl like me. You know, I don't, I don't, this is not the things that I'm supposed to get to do today. But, you know, I, um, I can stand on my own two feet today. I'm self-supporting. You know, these are things that I, don't, I didn't know how to do before I came in here. Um, I get a walk, I, you know, I work with Marcy. We worked together, you know, for the last almost nine years now. You know, so I, it's, it's amazing when you get to walk, work with people who you just admire. And, you know, and, you know, I learned a lot from her. I've learned so many things from her. And, and I love the fact that, you know, like she said, you know, she'll try things. You know, I, I, I can do that now. I can try new things. I can fail and be okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know you could fail and be okay. That's what this program has taught me. Um, you know, I have, like Marcia said, I have a daughter who is 28, and she is headed to treatment for the second time today, you know, um, because it is a family disease, but it's also a family recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have taught me how to show up for her but not enable her. You know, she knew who to call when she was ready, and that's only because of this program. Did you have anything that you wanted to read or anything? I do. I have one passage. I do. Um, This, to me, describes the haven for me, for a girl like me. Mm -hmm. 
and it is on page 89, Working with Others. Life will take on new meaning, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends, which I never had before. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequently, co frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is a high, is the bright spot of our lives. And to me, that's that's it right there. That's the life I never knew I could have. And today, you know, I get to live it out. So, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. What about when a girl comes in and you tell she's really been traumatized? She's maybe been you know, nightmares or stuff like mm -hmm. that going on for her. Uh, she's starting to act out more and more. A friend of mine, wife went to treatment where, you know, treatment cost you forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And then we have other treatment centers that they'll only treat you if you're, if you don't have a, a drug problem. So mm -hmm. a lot of people get left out either financially or because of the other and I you know if you want to talk a little bit about what you guys try to do there in the time that you that you had these women with you I think it would be beneficial because there's been a lot of times that we've had women come in that that we're not equipped to take care of you know they do need a lot further help than what we have because mm -hmm. we're pretty simple there and uh, we are under the umbrella of Parkside so you know we can utilize them and we've there's a couple other places we crisis center we've taken them to the crisis center when they've spun out you know too much that we can't mm -hmm. we can't handle because i've had a couple of girls that were uh, uh what do you call that uh, schizophrenia and didn't know it until they'd been there a day or two mm -hmm. and i uh, saw all the signs and then so we have to we have to call in for help and and get them to the right place and we've also changed a lot too. Like I said, we're changing a lot. Karen's becoming our uh, case management. We never did this before. We mm -hmm. did the six weeks and then hopefully you get a sober living house. It was about all we did under the director that I was under. Mm -hmm. We only went to four meetings or five meetings a week then. And we've changed that completely. We go to how many meetings a week? Eight to 10 a week. Eight to 10 right. a week. They mm -hmm. also have an opportunity to go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. which I really, really like. At first, mm -hmm. there was a little backlash on that, and I was like, no, <laughs> the, house, the house supervisor needed it. So I was like, you know, because she was missing out on that having to work Sundays. And I found a non-denominational church that, that Karen goes to that works out perfect. That would have never happened years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's been so beneficial because that church is, like, full of AA people. So it's it's really a neat process. And... Um, we, we, we want to be of service when somebody calls. If they don't qualify for us or we can't qualify for them, we want to find them the place. Yeah, when we're talking to these women, because that's a lifeline there, I'm not going to just say, no, you, you know, not here. We want to make sure that they have a phone number to go somewhere else. And she makes sure that they, the women that want into sober living get into sober living. And we have sober living come out and talk. I also have a lot of women that come in and talk. Good. You know? And that was never before the case, and mm -hmm. I just love that. It's, I love seeing that change. How many volunteers do you guys have? Uh, on a regular basis, I'd say three to five. Three to five, yeah. Mm -hmm. we and have then we have guest speakers come in. Mm -hmm. People volunteer. Can I come over and speak? You know, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. The more the merrier, and the more the merrier for lunch. You know, come over and share, you mm -hmm. know, at lunchtime. And, and the girls that have been through there come back, drop by, 
drop in. We've got two sober living houses next door to us now that a lot of them will call, qualify for. It sound, and it sounds like they're getting a lot of love and nurturing care, which is what mm -hmm. some of the most important stuff that people can get when they're in that place. Absolutely. You know, it's really cool when we go to meetings because everybody loves seeing us come because they get to see those women when they first come in. And then they get to see them up, up to the six weeks that they're there and sometimes longer if they keep going to that meeting and they see the change. Yeah. You can't get any better than that. No. Uh, I know I always enjoy it when, when you, the ladies are there. Mm -hmm. I, I always enjoy it when they come in. And you mentioned Love for Life. Yes. In the, when they had the half in the cul-de-sac. In the cul-de-sac, yeah. And, and they used to bring, God, they had how many women that they Bunch. would bring. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always a really, really good to, to see that mm -hmm. when they come into the AA meeting. Yeah, because, you know, we're out there, and I can connect to men so much better than I could women when I was out there. I mean, you know. Right. And then you come in, and you want us to be friends with women. It was like, and that's where I got to learn to really love that relationship. Like I said, I never saw myself working with women, ever. Yeah. And that's the last place I thought I'd be in this, you know. God knows better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. You bet. I often laugh. I, I didn't have any kids, which I regretted. I didn't regret until they started having grandkids. You know. Yeah. I wasn't jealous of all the kids' problems, yeah. you know. Yeah. But when they started having grandkids, I got jealous of that. Yeah. And one day somebody goes, what do you mean you don't have any kids? You got six that, all the time that are alcoholics. <laughs> you know, you got kids. And that's so true. Because they are. You know, we're that. We, we get close. Yeah. We get to we're, really caring about them. So. Yeah. Being a small setting, like, you know, mm -hmm. we have only five women at a time. Um, and, you know, one thing, you know, and I've heard it through the rooms is routine of sobriety. And one thing that Haven does do is we have a, not a tight, strict schedule, but we have a routine. You know, we, these, well, we're allowing these women to relearn to get up, eat breakfast, make your bed, you know, brush your teeth, um, meditate. We have meditation. And that is for you to go be still. Go be still for a little bit. You know, yeah. think about your day that's happened and what's going to happen in the rest part, the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. um, some things that I didn't know how to do when I got to the Haven. I didn't know how to be in my own head and, you know, not be beating myself up all the time. Um, we do that, you know, we, we make sure that, you know, we, like I said, the lunch is our big meal, but we have three meals a day at certain time, mm -hmm. you know, the same time. And I think that's important for us to teach the ladies, you know, we have a, big mirror at the top of our stairs and you know and marcy teaches them you know go up there look in that mirror and tell say something good about yourself you know um because you know we get to we get to treatment we don't have anything good to say by ourselves anymore you know we're, we're i i didn't anyway let me put it that way when i got into treatment you know i didn't like myself you know and so learning those things you know uh we do gratefuls you know she has class monday through thursday and you know <clears throat> part of it is you know you have to have gratefuls every day and gratitudes and uh, just these things that we're trying to teach you to do so when you get out, you'll have a routine. And if you stick with it, you know, yeah. you have some good success. I have so many family members say, hey, what is your success rate? And I always tell them 100% if they continue <laughs> doing what they're doing while they're here. That's right. 100%. You know, but if they don't continue, then, you know, it, it's not good. Especially if they go right back home, you know. Yeah, and alcoholics and addicts, when, uh, we was always wanting to hear people would say the same thing to us. You know, well, what's your results? And you can't keep up with alcoholics and addicts to begin with no. after they leave treatment for sure mm -hmm. so it's very very difficult to get numbers that will fit some of what 
-hmm. people are expecting to hear mm -hmm. or what they want to hear. Right. So, well, what is the, the center moving forward? Any new plans or are we just going to stay just like we are? Pretty much. Okay. We can't keep the, we tried to respect Catherine's wish too on that, but also too, just like the big book says, you know, more will be revealed, yeah. you know? So I don't know, you know, I, I hope we keep growing like we are as far as expansion of uh, doing uh, more for the women, okay. you know, as we go along. Do you have anything that uh, when the girls, the women leave that have job wise or anything on, on that level? Because I know that mm -hmm. that's something that most all of them need is, is a job. Absolutely. Well, you know, we, if they're going to sober living, you know, we're trying to collate that with them. You know, we're, we're, what house are you going to live in? What do you know? What, what job do you want to do? So we try to get them in an area that best fits them for that. Um, if they want to apply for jobs their last couple of weeks here, they have some free time that mm -hmm. I can help them with it. You know, I, I offer it to them and then they have to pick it up and take the action if they want to. Okay. Now, if they're going back home, you know, and some of them live Ardmore, Oklahoma mm -hmm. City, we really don't do a lot with that because I don't have any connections up that way. I would like to expand that. Mm -hmm. You know, with this new role I'm taking on, it's, it's kind of wide open for me. They've given me that uh, gift, that's a good way to put it, to, you know, what, it, what, what do you think we need to do? And so, you know, it's just, it's wide open right now for me on that area. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, if, if they yeah. want help with the job, we can do it. You know, if they need help with their meds, that's what I'm there for. Case managers mm -hmm. are so important. People don't realize it. Oh. They fill a deep hole. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of them come in with, you know, from experience with my own daughter. You know, she's leaving where she's at today with absolutely nothing. I mean, mm. not a toothbrush. Mm -hmm. She has a pair of shoes on and the clothes on her back because nope. she's once again lost everything. Mm -hmm. So there's no ID, you know, and all that. And so, you know, we make sure that these women, when they leave there, if they want their ID, we'll try to help them get their ID. We make sure they have clothes. We have a clothing closet upstairs that we mm -hmm. try to make sure that when they leave, they have clothes on their back. They have, you know, resources to get to. If they need to get their food stamps started, you know, I can help them with that. Good. We do try to get all that in play for them so when they do leave, they are prepared. That's somewhat. really, really important, Karen. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I've seen so, you know, if you just shove them out the door, you're setting them up for failure. I mean, mm -hmm. so that is really, to me, so important that you guys are doing that yeah and we're getting more and more resources like she mentioned becky and becky was kind of our case manager for a long time mm -hmm. she worked for women in recovery and she worked for residents and she worked for women and children's you know mm -hmm. so she had buku's of knowledge of this stuff and so when she passed you know we lost a, mm -hmm. a great asset and that's when karen starts stepping in that's great and uh yeah because i know how important it is it is i wouldn't i just Call Becky, call Becky, you know, yeah. and she had it like that. So it was, it was a really, really neat deal that we're incorporating that a lot more. You know, because we tell them, you know, the thing about it is you, you take, it's like a tree that you, you know, that's in bad soil and you, and you dig it up and you take it and you put it in good soil, you know, and it mm -hmm. starts thriving. And I tell them, I say, okay, so that's thriving. So do you really want to dig that thing up? And take it back and put it in the same hole where there's no nutrients, where there's no, you know, it's that's not, chances are it's not going to live, you know. So that's why I explained to him that, you know, new environment, new, you know, where you're growing, don't don't jump out of that hole. Don't jump out of that nutrients that you're getting. 
till you get really rooted. And do you do you follow up with them? What, is there any follow up after they leave? Not at this time, but we, you know, usually we, we do have a Facebook Safe page. page yeah. yeah, and we stay connected there. Um, yeah. And a lot of them stop by. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see them at meetings. I just seen uh, Havenette, who just celebrated two years. She's nice and pregnant. <laughs> she shut up at the meeting last night, you mm. know. I mean, so we don't go out and pursue them, but we do follow up, yeah. like, through Facebook and stuff with them. We have a Havenette Christmas party coming up. So we'll, you know, we'll put the invitation out for everyone who's been to the Haven. I don't care if you've been there 20 years ago or you just graduated. We want you to come and celebrate with us. We make a lot of reconnections there. So we always enjoy that. And uh, then we have a couple other get-togethers throughout the we year at the Haven. We bring their sponsor or their kids mm-hmm. if they want to. You know, it's just... So and it's all women. You know, there's no men. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no men at the Haven unless uh, at the end of the year... When we're having hammers or hot dogs and we're closing that day, we'll mm-hmm. invite some of the men that have really helped with the girls in my home group. And that's the only time we invite men. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's I mean, if there is a man that comes in, we tell them they're coming mm-hmm. and uh, for construction or something. Or so do they get any? Uh, do they get any passes when they're there? Or yes, they do. After three weeks, um, the phone privileges are there's non-existent for three weeks. The first three mm-hmm. weeks, we're kind of selfish with you. We want to keep you mm-hmm. all to ourselves. You know, let that world go because it's going to be there when you get out. And then after three weeks, they get three 10-minute phone calls. And then that weekend, they can go on a day pass. Okay. We used to have weekend passes before COVID. Mm, but once we realized, <laughs> it, you know, and, and it wasn't good. But, you know, and, and I say that in the same breath, I'm going to tell you that those passes is probably okay. what changed me when I was a client there. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I could always get separated via usually gel. From my, mm-hmm. from my drugs and stuff. But I, you know, I, when I went on my first pass, it was terrible, terrible pass. But I got to come back and regroup and go out again and try it again. Mm-hmm. So those were really good tools for me. And that's what, you know, now they're just a day pass, though, which we found out really works a lot better for them. It's just right. eight, eight, nine hours out on a weekend. <laughs> it's probably plenty. Yeah. Um, and, the, and that same thing for them. They get to go out there and realize that world's still there. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed out there, mm-hmm. you know. So, and but they're doing the changes. So they come back and they're back in that safe environment, and they can, you know, regroup and go back out the following weekend with less expectation usually. And that's a great tool for them, you know, because we can cocoon them for six weeks, but we can't keep them forever, you know. So when they go out there on those day passes, that's kind of a a, a tool and a teaching tool at that for them. So we do that for the last three weeks they're there. Tell the story about me. I taught her how to make these cookies. Oh, yeah. When While I was, she was in there as a client. <laughs> yeah, because Marcy was my house mother because we had another, mm-hmm. the other director. And so mm-hmm. we were making these cookies. She showed me how to make these cookies. And the cookies are amazing, but the time you get to spend together making the cookies is what's really cool. We spent an hour, hour and a half probably making them. And last so, night. <laughs> yeah, last night, as a matter of fact. So when I was a client, I was like, oh, when I go home this weekend, I'm going to make cookies with my kids. We're going to have so much fun. You know, so I get home and my kids were like, we ain't making cookies. We don't even care that you're sober. You know, they didn't care. And I was like, we're making these dang cookies. We're going to have fun. And they're like, no, we're not. You yep. know? So, uh, so um, anyway, so today, you know, when we make these cookies, it's, it's pretty funny. Because, I, I, you know, I had to come back from my past and my feelings were hurt. Sure. But I got to come in there and, you know, and, and Jewel or Marcy or Dorothy said, you know, they have the right to feel that way, Karen. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this to them for a long time. And I thought, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I'd never thought about their feelings before because, you know, we're selfish yeah. and self-centered. Anyway, yeah, that's that's our cookie story. Well, that opened up a whole other deal with moms with children when I worked at the boys' home. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we would get all boys. 
all young men, but I would work with their mothers too, because we did, we actually, mm -hmm. you know, we had them six months, so we did treatment with them. And no father, most of the time, no father. Mm -hmm. These women were doing this stuff all by themselves. That's what people don't realize. Mm -hmm. Women, to me, are much stronger than men. I do want to ask one last question about how does the Haven do what they do? You must have donors or people that help fund it. Uh, it's still funded by Catherine. Okay. Well, now they, they, we, we've had great investment fields through the years, uh, no foxes in the hen house, you know, type deal. It's been mm -hmm. taken well taken care of and well vested in oil and, and they diversified, of course, back mm -hmm. in the 80s into different stuff. But yeah, it's been taken very well care of. We're, we're good. Great. Without, I mean, do we get donations? Yeah, and it's great, you know, this mm -hmm. and that, and especially the clothes. And, and we have a lady that brings, it, we call her, and she brings uh, essential shampoos, razors, soap, you know, that we have a closet full. Because like mm -hmm. Karen said, most of the time we get them right out of jail and they don't have anything. Wow. You know, and uh, we're working with residents. They, they, they get them in jail and they can't come out until they go into treatment. We, they come to the Haven and then they go back into all their the programs that they have mm -hmm. they got some wonderful follow-up uh, parenting classes uh, you know we we really encourage them to go get all they can get because they're, they're offering so much more these days for women mm -hmm. you know if you can get in that system and they'll move mountains for you yeah. residents i mean it's incredible what they've done with their girls and women in recovery yeah we're, we're very blessed you know and we, we take no insurance so that's right. you know that's that's yeah. it, it keeps it really simple. So you know pre-COVID, if you didn't have insurance, you couldn't get into a lot of places. You know, that's I know right. things have changed a lot, but you know, and, and so we get to work with women who you know they're they're usually at the very bottom of their life. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're coming in there with nothing, and um, and it opens a door for us because we don't take insurance, so we don't have to go and get approved by anybody that's or right. anything. You know, we can bring you right in. The funding is like she said. You know, we, we've been so blessed. We've got a wonderful board. Yeah, you know, we do have a good board. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a board of trustees that oversee it. Most of the women that come in, too, with the women and children and stuff like that, most of the women that we have come in have don't have their kids. You know, they've, they've, they've gotten to the point. They've been taken away. Taken away. And uh, they're working. They're working usually with, with a, what do you call it, a case management. Because mm -hmm. they'll, like on week, what their day pass, they'll bring the children up to see them or, and go do something with them and stuff like that. So that I've seen a lot more of than I used to good mm -hmm. a lot more yeah. which is really neat yeah we work with family courts you know we'll get them make sure they get to their court you know if we their case manager can't take them then we make sure and we get them there we don't like to transport but we don't ever want to stand in the way of a woman getting to see her children right or, or any legal issue right you know yeah. I mean <clears throat> yeah if they go to court they go if we get them to court <laughs> right. yeah and, right. and that's and that's a, a lot of volunteers come and help do that you know we have a lot of women that, hey, do you need anything? Yeah, we need someone to take a, take a client here or there. And so we are very blessed with that, with volunteers yeah. like that. Well, that's, and that's something else that women in, uh, or it's been my experience, you guys, you would know more about this, is that women, when they lose their children, boy, their self-worth is mm -hmm. really down. I mean, where men, you don't really see that that much, not like you do with a mom. I mean, that's... There's Not a, as much. Yeah. There's a bond there that... I'll never forget, you know, because we, we get caught up, too, in a lot of loss of life that we're dealing with, especially these days. I mean, we lose we lose them. Yeah. 
And, you know, sometimes that will really wear on you. But then one day, you know, then you get a call. And I'll never forget, I got a call from this girl. And we'd been going to a meeting that had babysitting. So so the women that we were taking there saw these women bringing their kids and mm-hmm. taking them to. And, of course, that, you know, knowing that they had lost theirs, they were just, oh, you know, kind of hard on them yeah. to see that. But I'll never forget, I got a phone call, come to my home group. And uh, I hear this girl yelling at me, Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. And I was like, God, what's going on? You know, And she had hold of both of her. Because I got, I get to bring my kids to the meeting tonight. You know, I get to bring my kids yeah. to the meantime. She was just you elated, you know. She got to that point to be able to yeah. do that. Her and her husband both were there. And we get those either calls or we get to see that, and that's what keeps us going with knowing that, you, you know, their hope gives us hope, that's for sure. Well, in closing, guys, uh, have, is there anything that comes to mind that you want to say before we close? Well, I would like to say if, if, if we can help anyone, if there is a woman out there that we can help, we have a website called haventulsa.org. Please look us up and please let us know. We were, we're here to help. Right. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Marcy? I just uh, thank you for the opportunity of uh, letting us share about that the special place that we have because it's yeah. been kind of a secret for years, you know, because she set it up where she just wanted women that to be referred to the Haven because it's so because it only take five women at one time you didn't want to be inundated because we used to be really inundated but we've got a lot more places now for women so we're not yeah and which I kind of like too Mm -hmm. because we can really you know we have one client and and we get to really work with her you know so (laughs) she's special those ones she, that are one client is special. And she was a six. We took in an extra one. We pulled down a mattress because uh-huh. I couldn't, you know, because I, I couldn't pass it up. You know, I was uh-huh. just like, no, she needs to come in. And with what happened. And every time we did that, it seems like Never that person know, would stay you? sober. Yeah, <laughs> I got caught doing that. I wasn't supposed to, yeah. but, you know. Well, thank you both, really, so thank much. You. Thank, thank you. You. you bet. Thank you. This has been a production of childrenofchaos.net, and we invite you to share your thoughts with us via email to comments at childrenofchaos.net. Children of Chaos is a forum to discuss topics related to and in concert with addiction and recovery in America, is not affiliated with, endorsed, or financed by any recovery or treatment program, organization, or institution. Any views, thoughts, or opinions expressed by an individual in this venue are solely that of the individual and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of any specific recovery-based entity or organization.